Hello and welcome to the Camping Crew Podcast with Chris and Aaron. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 131 of the Camping Crew Podcast. I'm Aaron Birchall. And I'm Chris Byrne. As always, it's meant to be a fun podcast. We're just enthusiasts and what we discuss on the podcast are just our own personal views, although we do look into things that you ask us to look into. If you'd like to support the podcast, and if you can afford to, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash The Camping Crew. And we'd like to say a big thank you to Root and to Liam Kay for their contributions this week. So we normally kick off with a little bit of news, but there's very little news happening at the moment, which they say no news is good news. But on the online chatter, I was on the Irish Motorhome Group today and Fiona asked the question. She said, I'm going to Doolan this weekend for my first excursion with electric hookup. Is there a limit to what I can use on the hookup supply? What can I use? Can I use my air fryer? Thank you. Now, I did answer her by saying, you know, most campsites are 20 amps and somebody came in and went, yeah, 20 amps. <laughs> I don't think so. Some campsites are 20 amps. Most of them are 10 to possibly 16. 16 now, Chris, would be the more popular on campsites. However, do you remember some time ago, and you can tweet this again, but we've tweeted and we've Instagrammed that I found um, a hookup chart, which will tell you like a two kilowatt kettle is 8.7 amps. So if you're on 10 or, you know, especially 10 amps, that's kind of your limit. My rule of thumb is don't have two electrical items plugged in. If it's winter and we have a two kilowatt heater in, which a two kilowatt fan heater could run you eight amps, don't plug the kettle in or don't plug the toaster in. That's my rule of thumb. And I was saying that to Fiona and a lot of people said, thank you for the little chart that I threw up. You tweet that out again a wee bit later on, just so um, people will know what we're talking about. Yeah, I think we're specifically referring to the heavy duty electrical stuff, like, as Aaron said, your kettles, your toaster or basically things with an element in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like a microwave, a one kilowatt microwave is about 4.3 amps. Yeah. So you could say like four and a half. A colour TV now is nothing. We're not talking 12 volt here. We're talking if you're using a home colour TV, they're normally about 50 watts, which is less than an amp. You're literally looking at, at, at one amp at the most. And laptop charts and things like that would, would draw very little from. So, again, things with elements, anything like that, just one at a time and you're relatively safe. The likes of kettles, toasters. I don't know anybody who brings an electric iron, but if you're bringing an electric iron, microwaves, anything from the one kilowatt. One kilowatt is, is over four amps, so double it for two kilowatts. They mentioned air fryers as well. They're really taking off. We have one now for the last couple of years, and we use it every day for cooking everything. Now, I haven't brought it in the uh, motorhome with us because the one we have is quite a big one, but um, they are very useful. I've often seen people bringing slow cookers as well for mm-hmm. doing stews and, and things like that as well. So yeah, you can bring all of that, but just again, just make sure you don't overload and trip out your van, but also trip out yourself and your neighbours as well on the side, you know? Yeah, some sites you could actually just trip out your socket, but the likes of Tree Grove, if you trip your socket, it actually trips back to a fuse room and it may be a board. So, But I'd say those air fryers, and we have one here and I must check and we'll mention it again, I'd say they're heavy. I'd say we're looking at two kilowatts there. I'll post that a little photo you took. I think you took that from a campsite one day, didn't you, of, of what the the I got was. that. Yeah, I have that years. I have that, I think, since long before we started the podcast. It was just something that I scanned in and kept. And yeah, look, we'll, we'll tweet it out during the week again. 
Uh, listeners, messages and shout outs. How have we been um, this week? Yeah, we got a, a, a nice uh, message back from Adrian. Um, we issued uh, Adrian Dennis a little bit of a challenge <laughs> on the last podcast. Um, we were talking about getting solar cables. Oh, that's right. Somebody had bought solar, but the cables were just too short. And I was we were wondering, where can you get extended cables? Yeah. Um, so we did put out the challenge and Adrian said, OK, Chris, challenge accepted on the solar cables. Cables and all solar panel parts and accessories can be ordered from Solar City. Now it's solarcity.ie and then just look for products or component parts and cable connectors. We also put out uh, a list. We wanted people to get in touch with us with campsites that myself and Charlie can review. He said on the list of sites, I'll send you a list of the sites that will cover north and south. Have you received that list from from uh, Aiden yet? No, from I'm Adrian? sure now. I'm sure it's it's on the way. Probably just <laughs> as we're talking, it's it's on the way. Uh, but thanks for that, Adrian. Uh, I'm sure that Solar City site will be a big help. And um, as Aaron plans out the next lot of vlogs, yeah. he'll be uh, ever so grateful of that recommended sites there, north and south of Carlingford Lock. Yeah, we have some coming up. I've literally just finished myself and Charlie. We're away doing a winter trilogy. As you know, the Cork trilogy is finished. We're in the middle of the. Kerry Killarney trilogy, and we recorded a winter trilogy, which was New Ross, Clonakilty, Clonakilty, and they'll be coming up in five or six weeks, but more about that a wee bit later on. So, yeah, Adrian, a list of places that are open north or south of the country. Thank you very much. I got an email from um, David. Um, uh, uh, basically, there's a word of caution about breaking down on the continent, and it's quite a, a long email, but I think it's, it's worth reading. It's a, a, an interesting experience that they had with a vehicle breakdown, and it's it's really well written. So I'm going to take the time to read it out. Um, I think it, even as a story, it, it's very interesting, but it might help somebody if they're planning a, a trip to Europe as well. So he says, um, hi, folks. On a recent trip to France, I experienced the breakdown. I think my experience might help others deciding how to handle such an issue. It's a bit long-winded, but this is the story as it happened. So my vehicle is a 2010 integrated A-class motorhome on a Fiat Ducato base, and I had a very distressing episode on a recent trip to France. Late afternoon on a Sunday in early September, my wife and I were driving in traffic on a main road in central eastern France, not far from Bessacon. The top surface of the road had been scraped uh, pending the laying of a new top and I hit the ramp that brings the surface level back up to meet the original level. This was quite a bump and I should definitely not have hit it so hard, but I was driving in a line of traffic. However, at the moment of impact, the engine cut out, a raft of warning lights came on and the emergency flashers came on and the doors unlocked. Quite a shock to the system. I certainly knew that something had had happened. As luck would have it, there was a lay-by just coming up on my side of the road and I was able to coast into that and stop. The warning message says, FPS on. Having EU roaming available on my phone meant that I could immediately start an online search for the error and quickly establish that the error code stood for fire protection system on. Seeing as there was no fire, I actually felt a little easier in my mind that the impact hadn't caused some major structural or physical engine damage. The FPS on error is also covered in the Fiat Ducato handbook. My holiday paperwork folder, I had included details 
and phone numbers for European breakdown insurance that was included with my annual insurance. Before calling the breakdown insurance, I had established the exact coordinates of exactly where we were stopped from my sat-nav GPS. I contacted the UK number that was designated for European breakdowns and that was answered almost immediately. The professional and helpful lady took the call, went through every conceivable detail about the condition of the vehicle and passengers, make model dimensions of the weight of the vehicle and of course the location that is where the coordinates were was important. She immediately ascertained that we were in a lay-by on the D673 and she advised me they would text me the details for further contact and to be passing the details to the RAC breakdown of France. I duly received a text with the RAC France contact number. I contacted them and just needed to give them my registration number and they automatically pulled up my full details. Um, they advised that they would send me a text with an ETA for breakdown truck. This text arrived within 15 minutes, with the truck pulling up within about another 25 minutes. In the meantime, I had also contacted Fiat Motorhome Camper Assistance Service that is based in Italy. They took my vehicle VIN number and coordinate details. As there was no question of warranty being involved, they gave me details of the nearest garage that would be able to handle my problem. More on that in a moment. At least at this stage, we were happy to be heading off to Sanctuary. After about 20 minute drive, we arrived at a garage backyard and were unloaded to sit among a large number of crashed vehicles. This was a Renault car and van garage. There was another motorhome there that had been picked up the day before. They were waiting on a part to hoped to be on their way in the morning. We were both given access to power, but no other facilities. Water and toilet facilities were flatly refused. The next day, Monday, nothing seemed to be happening, but at about midday, a mechanic started to work on the other motorhome. Within an hour, they were on their way. I asked the mechanic when he was going to look at our problem. He replied that I would have to talk to the boss. I went around to the reception area and found him in his office. He told me that he was not going to look at it at all as our problem was an electrical issue. He said that it was up to the insurance company to find somewhere to have it repaired. I tried to show him the information that I had located online on how to reset the FPS on air, but he was having none of it. He just wanted us out. This was where it began to get much more distressing, as RAC France had just advised us that the only location that we knew should be able to sort this problem out, Fiat Professional Garage, and would not even look at it for three weeks. The situation was beginning to look bleak, and we were starting to worry that it was possible that we might have to leave the van somewhere and return home without it. So I had to begin to look at this and other options. I contacted the RAC in France again and was told that they were working on an option to get us to another dealer who should be able to get our problem sorted. They asked if I could hand the phone to the owner of the garage in whose yards we were parked and they spoke to him and within minutes he was out getting the low loader backed up to get us out of the yard and in a short time we were loaded and on the road. Another 20 minute drive we arrived at a Fiat car dealer garage. This did not look like it was the sort of place that could handle a commercial vehicle or motorhome and this proved to be the case. They said they had not known this was a motorhome when they agreed to look at it. Our man was now getting exceedingly grumpy as he did not want us in his yard no more than we wanted to be there. He decided the best place for us was to bring us to the local air just 10 minutes away. This was indeed a far better option and gave us access to fresh grey and black water facilities and was far more pleasant setting than this backyard.
later that afternoon, one semi-permanent resident came over to make conversation and get a bit more detail of our predicament. He suggested that we contact a fairly local motorhome dealer to see if they might be able to help. I got the details from him and located them on Google Maps. I contacted the RSE breakdown and gave them the details and they said it'd be back to me. We're nearly there, folks. <laughs> At about 8.30 the following morning, I received a text from RSE France saying that the motorhome dealer was going to look at the van and to contact them to arrange a time for the transport. I phoned them and by 12.30 we were loaded up and on our way again. After about 30 minutes drive, we arrived at a much better looking prospect. This was a proper motorhome dealer with a garage. They hadn't come across the FPS on error, but I showed them the information that I had obtained. I did a Google Translate on the information and they studied it. A large lump of a man appeared and somehow managed to manoeuvre himself across the floor under a passenger seat footwell and started to work with his electrical screwdriver and other tools. My wife and I sat back in the van and watched the panels and bits being removed and being placed out of the way. We just hoped that something might come of his efforts. I think we're all on the edge of our seats at this stage, Aaron. I couldn't see if he was making any progress or not, but at one stage he managed to get an arm free and seemed to reach for the ignition key. The next second the engine was running and just like it always did, no splutters, just purring. We couldn't believe it. After all the worry and near tears, the problem was sorted. He screwed the removed panels and parts back in place and was all done. The charge was 80 euros. I think I might have paid... 800 euros if they asked for it at the time. So we entered the coordinations for our next stop into our 10 inch sat nav and headed off. That evening, two very relieved people were settled down to a meal 120 kilometers down the road. There are probably two things that stand out for me from this experience. Number one, don't forget that the firm suspension on many campers can result in much more severe bump when going over traffic ramps like that. Number two, even for a base vehicle fault, it's very likely that a motorhome dealer would be our best bet for getting it sorted rather than, you know, like a, a normal car main dealer. Certainly on the mainland Europe, these are much more plentiful than they are here in Ireland. So that's it. He says, listen to the podcast every week and watch the videos. Enjoy them all immensely. I wouldn't mind the sticker if you had any to spare. So I'm sending some of those on to David. But that sounds like a very stressful experience, Aaron. OMG. And I'd read that earlier on, but even listening to you doing it again. Yeah. I think another lesson to be learned is before you leave to go on the continent. And a lot of us are hoping, I'm sure, to do that early next year. Check your breakdown insurance. I do know a couple of years pre-COVID that we took out extra insurance, but the company, I can't remember the name of them, but again, I'll do some research, only covered vans up to 10 years old and ours was just tipping 10 years old. So make sure, check, first of all, with your own insurance, but it might be worth, I think it was 100 euro, but it was that complete repatriation insurance that would get us right back home to our drive. So another lesson to be learned, yes, don't hit those speed ramps as hard as you you would in the car, but check your insurance before you go. Yeah, and I think another thing is, and which uh, David highlighted, you know, most motorhome problems are very repairable yeah. if you get them to the right people. Yeah, garages don't tend to know generally a, a general garage. Be even be they a Fiat agent and you're driving a Fiat Ducato chances are there's been modifications. I found that with the ambulance, that it's not a Ford Transit anymore. It's an ambulance. And when things go wrong, there was no point in going to my local mechanic. I literally had to get in touch with the people who made the b in the first place. So yeah, 
I think the first place I would have checked, or well, now from reading that, is where's the the nearest motorhome dealer, not the nearest Fiat or Peugeot or Citroen garage. Yeah, and like if you can't find a motorhome dealer, at least maybe aim for a truck dealer. Probably yeah. might be the next best option for you. But look, thanks so much, David, for taking the time to write the email. Um, I think a, a lot of people will will, will f- feel for your experience uh, and empathise with yeah. you as well. But uh, happily, you, you had a happy ending. And I think the fact that you kept your cool and just, you know, didn't give yeah, up on it. You were up and running and back, and back going again. And, you know, what could have turned out to be a, a you know, a completely ruined holiday, it meant after a few days you were able to get back on the road again. So look, um, just uh, take care everybody out there, whether uh, home or you're abroad, mm-hmm. um, find yourself and just make sure you have uh, all your information at hand so you can react to all these different situations that can happen. And like David, if you have a story that you'd like us to tell, please, we'll give you the contact details because your content really keeps this podcast going. We'll give you the contact details at the end of the show. Right. I'm going to give you a break and I'm going to do a a campsite review. Well, I'm not actually going to do a campsite review. CampsiteReview.com is our sister station. We are station, our sister website. We have a forum there that's free and always will be. But not all the reviews on CampsiteReview.com are about campsites. There are product reviews as well. And the aforementioned Liam Kay, who's been very active on Campsite Review, gave us a product review. It's the Van Gogh Belletto Air Awning. It was purchased from Charles Camping, uh, including his Irish Caravan and Camping Club discount. It landed at €700, which he reckons is a bargain. The recommended retail price is €899. Now, included in the pack, he goes on to say, were storm straps, two wheel arch covers, draft skirt and pump. It is an air awning and this model has the option of a single inflation point or multiple points. We found using the multiple inflation points was a much easier option. It packs down nicely into a large carry bag and it weighs approximately 25 kilos. We managed a respectable 20 minute setup time once we got the hang of it. The windows are all clear and they come with easy fit curtains. The entrance is a 60-40 split, making entry and exit smooth. The Van Gogh also came with a new draft excluders for the side of the van, but we found them a bit fiddly, to be honest. There are additional air beams that help stabilise the roof. Once it was set up, we found it to be a very sturdy piece of kit. Also included are steel pegs in their own bag to keep the dirt away from the canvas. According to the specs, it's a 150D fabric and is reportedly durable against colour fade from the sun. Not really an issue in Ireland. And we found it held up well against some heavy downpours. All in all, it's easy to set up for two persons and it looks well. It's a charcoal and grey fabric and fitted well and tightly against the caravan. The awning carpet is an optional extra. A great buy for us and we hope to get many years out of wear and tear out of it. They're giving it an 8 out of 10. Now, you like the Van Gogh products. Yeah, uh, mostly because, you know, they're tried and trusted or a reliable brand. But if you need parts for them, it's easy to get spare parts. You know, whereas you get other kind of, I suppose, shopping centre brands, Mm -hmm. you know, if something breaks in them, you're usually stuck and it's about replacing the whole unit rather than just specific parts, you know. Yeah. Well, he went on to say, anyway, they got it for 700 but recommended retail price is 899 and he's given it 8 out of 10. Liam, thank you very much for that. Remember, campsitereview.com, the form is free, always will be. You can just log on and read reviews like that, or you can have your say. Yeah, I had a look at those uh, online. I just did a search for the Van Gogh Balletto Air Awning, and they're lovely. They're one of the 
the ones that go along the side rather than kind mm-hmm. of they, they don't go straight out they kind yes. of follow along the side but there's plenty of room inside them massive visibility in them as well so they look fantastic and they fit onto the caravan awning rails you know very easily as well and in fairness to charles camping uh liam did say that he had ordered it before the holidays it hadn't come in and they actually loaned him one out of stock and then when he actually dropped the back his had come in so well done to charles camping for that as well we actually interviewed them last year in the early days of the podcast we must actually uh, touch base with them again and see how their year has been um, right, Charlie and me this week, there is a video Wednesday morning, this morning it went up. It's just um, an update on the b-ball. If you remember, we had leaks and a company sent me out a sealant. It's a rubber sealant. So there's a video up there showing how I actually uh, painted that on. And it turns out to be fantastic. It's a great product. So that's uh, this morning's video. And then this Friday's video is the final stop in the Kerry Killarney trilogy. It's a Flesk caravan and camping park in Killarney. And then over the next two or three weeks, we're going to the van build, Project 2, the Overlander. Um, You've already seen it. The next video is showing the uh, installation of the chunky off-road tires. Then there's a Wednesday video, and then there's a new Friday video, if that makes sense. So plenty (laughs) of activity there. I can't wait to see that. That would be very interested in that, uh, you know, a little bit left of centre, isn't it, than your normal kind of camper vans? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's it's like I enjoy doing the b-ball. Um, I haven't started work as of this date. I have not started work on it. The only thing I've done is got the branding done on the vehicle, but all will be revealed, as I say, this coming Friday is Killarney. And then the following Friday is the Chunky Tires. Then there's a Wednesday video you've got to watch, which will tell you about the following Friday video. And then we'll have a winter trilogy where we went to Wexford, Clannacilty, Clannacilty, and that'll take us up nicely to Christmas. Yeah, look forward to those now, and you're certainly keeping us all well entertained on the Friday mornings and, and a few Saturdays as well. Um, so if anybody's around 9am Friday mornings, you can jump on and have a watch party with us all. It's youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me, our camping vlog. Right, products, tips and camping hacks. What have you got? I spotted there last early last week uh, a posting to the Irish Motorhome Group on, on Facebook and uh, Anne or Anya posted up there about, um, you know, things to do before you kind of buy your motorhome and mm-hmm. or change your motorhome. And what Anne was referring to was checking the motorhome history. And a lot of people had recommended different pages. Two of the ones that popped up most often in the, the chat on that was a page called motorcheck.ie and the other was uh, a page called myvehicle.ie and basically it's just um, facilities for you to check the history um, of uh, vehicles, you know, is there any outstanding, I suppose, claims or payments against it, is there any kind of known problems and you know, was it was it scrapped and things like that? You know, it's such it's it it does cost a a few pound to check, not overly so, but uh, definitely worthwhile checking out the history of the different vans. You know, you know, it'll tell you if it's been clocked. It'll tell you if it's still under finance. If something maybe was written off, as I said, and does previous owner checks and it it, it does like. Has it been CV, CVRT'd? Is it taxed? Has the colour been changed? There's lots of different things that will tell you. Um, I knew you could do that for a car, but I didn't realise that you could do it for a motorhome. So you can possibly do that for any registered vehicle. I would imagine so, anything that, you know, has wow. been taxed. So it's just a, just a, a few tips, I suppose, 
Um, those web pages again are motorcheck.ie and myvehicle.ie. So there's two different services that you can sign up to and do it. And I imagine a lot of the garages and dealers probably have access to these as well. If they're taking trade-ins, they'll obviously check those out as well, you know. Right. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Camp Life because this has been a pretty long one and then we'll give you all of the contact details so you can get in touch with us. Yeah, it's a question for you, Aaron, with your uh, uh, electrical hat <laughs> on. And I know we, we've spoken about this before, but this is kind of a specific question about, you know, leaving your van plugged in, you know, during the week or during the winter. And you see a lot of people recommending that you leave it plugged in to keep your leisure batteries and uh, and all of that up to check. But I suppose my question is, if your van has solar on it, would you need to leave your van plugged in then to the mains? I would say no. Now, I have solar, obviously, on the Heimer and on the Bebop, but they're both stored in a shed. So the solar is pointless. I would say no. If you have solar on, I would think, what's the point? I leave yeah. mine plugged in. And I've said this before, mainly for the fridge. Both vans stay plugged in because there's gas in the fridge, not your cooking gas. The gas that's in the fridge can settle. And then after four or five weeks, you switch on your fridge. It may work. It may not. At least if it's plugged in, the fridge is constantly on. And that is the only reason I leave mine plugged in, because I heard it from a dealer saying, oh, yeah, if you've got access to power, leave it in. But with solar, do you need to? It's keeping your leisure batteries charged up. If you've got your fridge door open, turn off your fridge. But if you have it switched on to 12 volt, it should possibly keep that going as well. I would say no. So if you're in storage and you don't have access to direct sunlight or you have a cover over or something. Plug it in. Plug it in. Yeah. And will you be plugging in the B-Ball as well then, the two of them? Would you plug I have the two of them plugged in. They're both out in the yard at the moment and I keep them plugged in. Regardless of solar, I keep them plugged in. If for some reason, if I'm only leaving for a few days, I don't bother, but I will open the fridge because the fridge is the only thing that will go mouldy literally within a few days. So I tend to, if I park up the B-Ball on a Monday and I know I'm going away on, on, on Wednesday or Thursday, I'll just open the fridge. But yeah, I keep both of them plugged in all the time. As soon as I pull in, if, if I'm not going to be using them for a while, I plug in both fans. And again, don't be worrying about running up your ASB bill. It's You're only keeping a charger going, which is keeping your batteries on trickle charge. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. Just just something that popped into my head during the week. I thought it'd be a nice question for the uh, the end of the podcast. Right, Sam, let's make this the end of the podcast. Remember, we do love hearing from you. Thank you to David for getting in touch with us. Thank you to Adrian for getting in touch with us. We'll give you the contact details in a second. If you want some of the stickers like David have requested, we will gladly send them out to you. We need your name, your address and your postcode, please. And we'll give you a sticker for your caravan, your motorhome, your car, whatever. And we do love to hear your ideas. And remember, campsartreview.com as well, if you want to review or just read reviews there. But for you to get in touch with us, you need contact details. Details. And here is contact Chris. We are planning the next bunch of podcasts, the winter podcast, before the camping season kind of kicks back into gear again. So now is the time, because if there's anything you'd like to to know ahead of next year, or even for camping in winter and spring, and that, um, you know, don't wait. Drop us an email today. Our email address is campingcrewpodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at the Camping Crew. On Instagram, we're at the Camping Crew Podcast. On Facebook, you'll find us in all the good motorhome camping groups. Our own webpage is thecampingcrew.ie. And on forums, uh, you'll see you'll find us at motorhomecrack.com or boards.ie. And remember as well, the Camping Crew Podcast at gmail.com. If you have some campsites that you'd like myself and Charlie to visit 
or some stopovers that we can visit, not just over the winter, but at any time. If you reckon, why haven't the guys been here yet? Please do email us the details and we will gladly give them a buzz and we'll sort that out. We've also got, as mentioned before, campsitereview.com. There's a forum there. It's free and always will be. And every Friday and some Wednesdays now with the Van Build Project 2 Overlander on the go, youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me are camping vlog. That is it. Another episode 131 done and dusted. Stay safe if you're going out over the winter. Remember the electrics if you are plugging in your fire. Just try not have two electrical items plugged in. From me, Aaron Birchall, till we talk again. Bye bye. And for me, Chris, uh, wishing goodbye as well. And uh, as I say every week, don't forget to subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. And more importantly, tell your camping friends all about us. Well, that's it for another podcast from the camping crew. Thanks for listening and do join us again very soon. Safe camping. Thank you.